So Ben, you said you you're working today. I'm doing work. Okay, you're working on the public banking stuff, though. Exactly. Okay, good. In honor of, of the late MLK Jr. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, if you work today, then you are racist, unless you're doing some socialist communist bank shit. So, uh, what if you have to work in order to keep your the place you live and the people who live there housed? That's the other. That's the alternative. If the system is forcing you, then no, you're actually okay. So let's say I'm I'm a different Ben Gordon. I have a job, say at BSC mm-hmm. or McKinsey. Okay, we have the day off of work. Let's say this Ben Gordon has more hair, just to be fun. Oh, it's amazing hairline. <laughs> Beautiful hair. Like when I walk into a room, the answer is yes before I open my mouth because of mm. my hair. That's how mm-hmm. nice my hair is. Yeah, absolutely. So that kind of hairline, you know. You know, one of those 70s actors, like um, um, three, two nights, three nights of Condor, one night of Condor. Three days uh, of the Condor. Are you referring to three, three days, days of the Condor? Of the Condor. Which is, yeah, that's like, one of those 70s paranoia pictures. You were really into right. that for a while. Oh, yeah. Well, I was thinking because his hair and then Al Pacino and Serpico, all these, like, they have mm-hmm. just, their hairline is almost at their eyebrows. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like I have, I, I could walk from my hairline to my eyebrows. It would take me a couple minutes, but um, I'd eventually get there. So yeah, so in this in, in this alternative universe, I work in, um, or just parallel. Uh, I work at let's say McKinsey. Got it. Uh, uh, an associate director probably make you know maybe two sixty a year. Nice. A nice bonus. A lot of stuff is paid for, so I effectively make like three fifty. Yeah, you got um, equity. You got equity. No, not even close. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I have a lot of even in your fantasy job. scenario, you don't have any equity in the company you work for. No, because I guess know, they're probably not. I'm not a partner traded. yet. Ah, okay. No, but they're Got they're it. private, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm working for there. I'm cl- clamoring up. So today, this is a good. Yeah, exactly. So I want to get there. Mm-hmm. Today is a day off of work, but I know because one of my bosses slash mentors has told me that it's really good to work on the weekends and holidays and be responsive to emails from senior management. Cause a lot Got of times it. it leads to a conversation. They get to know you personally and uh, it leads to promotions. Mm-hmm. It works that way. So it's MLK. I wake up early. I've already spent the weekend like preparing my thoughts. I got everything ready. And today Respect. like is a total like hit the, like let's see which of these senior managers I can get in, in touch with today. Um, <laughs> That's what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you're that guy, then you are racist if you work today. However, if you're the the male person who uh, delivered a package for my child, then you are a fucking hero. Yes. Good so, distinction. Yeah. So a lot has happened uh, in between our last uh, episode of this show i guess you could call it um and by a lot i mean one thing which is that my wife gave birth to my son and the bad news is we were not able to agree on what i consider to be the greatest name possible jack muhammad uh we did come up with um a equally good name which is guy golden that's beautiful. Isn't there a middle name? It's a second name? Yes. So the full the full name is Guy Rostam Hassani Golden. Guy Rostam, that's it. Malachi Malachi Ben uh Levi Shimshom. Because basically, so the Rostam Hassani is like his Persian name. 
Um, and then Malachi is going to be his Hebrew name. So we're trying to work it all in. So we want to have like Guy Golden PI, Guy Golden Hero for Hire, like that kind of stark and uh, action-packed monosyllabic name. But we also want to to honor his Persian heritage and throw that in. So Rostam was a sort of a heroic character uh, from um from Persian literature. And uh, basically he was this badass guy and he killed a bunch of fucking people and fought in a bunch of wars and, and battles and stuff. Um, and um, very cool was assassinated uh, by a conspiracy and he got thrown into a pit of poison spears. Now, if, you know, I guess you could say, oh, it's sad he's dead, but like, okay, well, this is like hundreds of years ago anyway. So I don't think it's like, we can assume that this, person of myth is uh, probably dead um but i figured if you gotta go you might as well be killed assassinated by a conspiracy and thrown on a bed of poison spears basically if i contract well when i contract some some form of cancer and they're like you know do you want to you know do whatever we're going to talk about end of life care how do you want to sort of manage your way out i'll be like fucking throw me on a bed of spears so anyway guy golden was born on um Amelia, what's Guy's birthday? January 9th. Jesus Christ. Wow. January 9th. Oh, nine uh, days ago. Yeah, nine days ago, 2021, uh, here in uh, Los Angeles, California, at 5.29 p.m. And we already have the email, uh, guygolden420 at gmail.com. Uh, guygolden at gmail.com was uh, already taken. Um, because there are three Guy Goldens in the world already, and all of them are Israeli businessmen. <laughs> so, wow. I've already bought a email, so there is no email you can have but Guy Golden 420. Um, you're listening to Cold Opens uh, here on Liberal Guilt Radio, uh, brought to you by all the fine folks here at Morning Handsome. Or I'm sorry, brought to you by all the fine folks here at Handsome Headquarters. I thought it was fun. We just like rolled into a cold open this week. We never do. Yeah, that. I, I got one question. Backing it up a little bit about jumping, yeah. being thrown into a, a bed of poison spears. A bed of poison spears. Spears. It made me think. Do you think we're going to see some like niche or cottage industries mm. um, pop up in the years? You know, like right now, it's I think it's technically illegal to do assisted, what they yeah. call suicide, but like yeah. chosen. Let me choose my way of death. If right. that's done away with a cottage industry where it's like, choose your way out mm. kind of thing. So yeah. like, do you want the spears? Do you want the cliff? Do you want to <laughs> go under uh, a tree? Do you want, you know, like all these different nice. things. Is that going to, what do you think? Is that going to be a thing? Yeah, I think life? so. It's like how, you know, okay, you got $2 million. So you can either buy a pardon from Donald J. Trump on his way out of the White House or you can pay to drive off a cliff with Susan Sarandon. Um, and I think I would go with the, with the Susan Sarandon, but, but uh, yeah. Or you just drive off a cliff by yourself. Yeah, man. But you know, Susan Sarandon until why her of all people, because that's the reference to that movie where she drives off a cliff. Oh, see, I'm not, I'm not up on these things. Oh, movies from 20 years ago. So anyway, yeah, uh, Guy Rostam Hassani Golden Malachi Ben uh, Levi Shimsham uh, has uh, entered the world and is uh, already awesome. Uh, my wife calls him the boss because he kind of like runs things around here. Um, but anyway, 
He's only star manager. Uh, and Money Penny, the mini golden doodle, has been majorly moted, um, and uh, but is is handling this all very very well. Um, his Money Penny does does she kind of think that she's got to look after a guy? Is she kind of avoiding scenting? Like where? Is she oh no, at? she's looking after him. She's like okay. she's like the nanny almost. You know, she's oh good wears tight pants is obsessed with Donald Trump and has a very high pitched voice. No, she's oh, like perfect. Yeah. Um, and she appeared in Beautician and the Beast. Um, no. So uh, <laughs> so Penny's doing great. Although last night, you know, guy was having a fussy night. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to let Penny out. We're going to go turn the lights on in the yard. We'll give her a treat. We'll play a little handball with the tennis ball. We'll run around. We'll have some fun like old times. Uh, and I knocked over this like beautiful vintage um, music stand that I have in my office here. Uh, that's filled with like vintage playboys and um and play bills from old Broadway productions. And it just came crashing down on her. She ran out into the yard, ran into the complete back of the yard and was like hiding in this place that we call out of bounds because she never goes out there. And I couldn't even lure her out with, um, with meat. Finally got her out. We played for a little bit. She has like this little pup tent, like this little kind of tent for puppies to hang out with, hang out in. And she kind of like hid in there for a while. And then I tried to bring her in the house and then she ran out. Um, so she's been really chill hanging out with the baby, watching out for him, giving him little kisses. But last night she really got the sense that she was, she was really moated. And um, I'm thinking that she's going to start acting out. I think she's going to start smoking. And I think we're going to get a call from like the AM PM and be like, uh, yeah, we found your dog. Uh, she was hanging out, uh, playing loud music and smoking cigarettes uh, uh, near the bathroom in the side. So you're gonna have to come pick her up. So she's doing great. I'm very proud of her, but I'm also just kind of worried that this, uh, she might start to rebel, you know, as older kids sometimes. And th in this scenario, those money penny got one of those uh, wireless speakers in her backpack hooked up to a smartphone or does she have like a, a Walkman? Or is it more just like a, an older boombox? Oh, I think it's an older boombox. Okay, which that's what has I was been, imagining. Yeah, the guy with the boombox on BART or the subway has been replaced with the guy on BART or the subway with just like the loud, <clears throat> the loud phone. But I've always thought, you know, playing whatever music, I've always thought it would be fun because like when I'm on the train, I'm not really easily, well, when I used to be on the train, I wasn't really listening to music. I usually be listening to NPR. And um, so I thought it would, you know, be really fun to just like, you know, pull out my phone and, uh, you know, just start blasting fresh air in the middle of a train. Um, so yeah, that covers sort of life news. Yeah. Sun born, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I figured we got to get on the pod today because if we lose momentum, this would be the end of the show. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, we're going to make sure we carve out this time. I'm going to, when Amelia needs to work on her business, I'm going to be doing the baby thing. And when uh, I need to work on my pod, I will force her and her entire family <laughs> to go hide into uh, our son's room. So uh, what's going on in your life, man? These last 10 days, it's been, it's actually been fire around um, the public bank and activist work. We've been making some, I've just been throwing out emails, having phone calls, joined a, a, a new coalition of different um organizations some in tennessee one of which actually became pretty nationally prominent a really? bunch of, uh, highlander 
<laughs> well, um, there can be only one, so it's going to be pretty nationally uh, prominent. No, exactly. So, and then you know, around like participatory budgeting, worker-owned co-ops, things like that. So, it's just been fireman, and even like you know, announcements nice. are made. Uh, looking forward to the next session in Congress. I followed those, and then I see how could we make it better. And then I email people I know trying to, because you know, at the end of the day, we know that a lot of the stuff written by a, a group of of people. So anytime I can yeah. get their ear, so it's just been fire on that, and it's been nice. um, real energetic. And then just figuring out kind of, uh, you know, on the side, what fruit trees and nut trees I want to plant this spring to make a oh, little yeah. forest here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm still figuring out what to do. I like pulled out all of the like gross weeds and like shitty crabgrass out of my front yard. And in the interim, I've been trying to figure out like what I want to do, like gone back and forth from like, I want to do like ground cover. I want to do grass. Fuck it. I'm just going to do turf, you know, like <laughs> whatever. Passion fruit. Passion fruit. Sure. You know, that's fine. Oh, there's guys screaming in the background. His first appearance on 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 Apple, on iTunes. Um, but uh, it's taken so long to figure it out that now the previous grass is just growing back. So um, I don't know what the fuck to do. I've gotten. I found out I have an irrigation system. Like a guy came out Whoa. to give me a quote, and he was like, "Do you have irrigation? Do you have uh, spring?" Which is just a fancy word for sprinklers. And I was like, "I don't think so." And he was like, "Yeah, it looks like you do." And you like push this button, and all these sprinklers popped up, and just immediately sprayed me with water and i was like you could have told me to get out of the way before we tested whether or not there was a thing that shoots fucking water everywhere so he was like yeah you got a you got a a sprinkler system here which is good uh so i would suggest that we remove it and completely replace it and i was like and he's like that's gonna cost 3500 to five grand i'm like well i'm not gonna do that he's like well otherwise you're gonna have to to water it i was like okay you know i'm not i I don't need you to do everything. I don't need to completely automate this. I could come out and feed the the organic organisms uh, in my yard, but whatever. So you're fig- you're doing the public banking. You are uh, planting trees, figuring out what kind of trees to plant. You're you know living the dream. You're you're with the cause, uh, and um, yeah, sounds like you're kicking ass, taking names, putting together a coalition of the willing all that stuff mm-hmm. we had a great revolutionary night last night with uh one of jay twiz's friends nice stayed up the latest i've stayed up my favorite unpaid elected uh volunteer mm-hmm. stayed up pretty late past my bedtime even smoked a couple hand rolls at the end of the night man i'm Ooh, feeling a little ciggy? tired right now mm-hmm. nice you can still feel it but man we were just oh the depth and and uh level the conversation I, I i missed i needed that it was amazing mm. and that sounds great the depth and level of my conversation last night was <laughs> so yeah but i feel pretty slow right now so i'll keep try to keep up okay but oh, um can you hear i him? think i'm good can you no him? you've got one of those like super sophisticated mics like if you even move two feet away this is a $30 shirt that's like usually $50. It's like the version of the SM58 that doesn't have a switch. So you, but I'm like, well, I can just turn it down. I don't need a switch. Uh, look at me. I don't want fucking sprinklers. I don't need an on off switch on my microphone. Uh, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Good it to know. Ridiculous. I thought this was an omnidirectional, which it should pick up my son screaming in the background. Being like, Dad, why do you have a podcast? I'm so embarrassed already. I don't even know what you're doing. Um, 
But uh, anyway, um, as you said, a lot has happened in the in the past week since the insurrection. And like uh, as as we did, we talked about last week uh, on the program, we talked about the Capitol Hill insurrection. And like I acknowledge that we recorded that before some of like the more just really disgusting images sort of came out. You know, and we said like I was like, hey, you know what? I'm glad to see that. that the you know senators were experienced some of the fear that school children feel when they're under lockdown, and while I understand that that could be taken in a really uh, bad way because so many hor- I mean seeing the Confederate flag, seeing people like hurt, seeing a guy kill himself by tasering his own cock, these are really horrible images, and um, and it's a really scary time for a lot of people in this country. So um, I totally understand if people were upset that I was taking like if they thought I was taking glee you know, at, at seeing um, some of this, this stuff happen. I'm just like my whole life. I've wanted to storm the gates theory, you know, sort of poetically storm the gates. And so like seeing people actually literally storm the gates was, I kind of just like got this, like, uh, even though these were evil, horrible people, like I just kind of like my blood pressure went up. I was like, Oh my God, this is like this, this we're seeing this, like we're seeing this crazy shit go on. Um, And of course uh, you know, now everybody's just kind of trying to sort of sort it out. And then you got Fox news. They're like playing it down. They're like not even covering it, you know? And then there's like CNN is saying like, this is totally Trump's fault. But then when the QAnon shaman lawyer comes on and says, this was Trump's fault. Trump told them to come down. Trump should pardon my client. They're like, that's totally fucking crazy. Um, and then you got like, of course the, the, uh, uh, the really far right folks are saying, oh, no, this was actually Antifa. This was actually, you know, a conspiracy to, like, make the right look bad. And something that my my wife and mother of my wonderful child, Guy Golden, uh, said is, like, all of these people, even the smartest people in the world, even the people that we respect the most, um, they're not going to really be able to put their finger on on what this moment is and only with the sort of hindsight of history maybe 10 20 30 100 years later will we realize what this is what this is and i started thinking absolutely we don't quite know is this the beer hall push or is this the wall street push and um the other day like i saw this um I saw this um, like listicle of like, uh, you know, it was like, let me pull it up here. 38 things from the past that did not age well. And it started out as cute. Like the first thing was like a description of Google and it was like, Google.com is a pure search engine. No weather, no news, no links to sponsors, no ads, no distractions, no portal litter, nothing but a fast loading search Mm -hmm. site. Reward them with the visit. And then the second one was like an Apple ad that was like blows minds, not budgets. It's like, okay, of course. And I'm like, this, these are all kind of cute. See, like, yeah, look at how things went. Then the next one, number three was uh, about asbestos being like a safe way to like line your, your building. Then the fourth one was about Facebook photos being safe. And all, oh, these are kind of funny. And then the fifth was just a newspaper clicking newspaper clipping from 1924 with the headline, Hitler tamed by prison. Released on parole, he is expected to return to Austria. 
And uh, it's this article about, uh, you know, he went to jail for this thing called the Beer Hall Push, which was uh, in the early 20s, him and his Nazi buddies, they basically tried to do exactly what these Capitol Hill insurrectionists uh, did, which was get together a bunch of thugs and, and storm their way in and basically take over the government, essentially. So he him and his buddies, they stormed this beer hall and they, he shot a gun in the air and he said, we're in charge of the government now. We're going to march to Berlin. And then they started clashing with cops and everybody got arrested and thrown in jail and it didn't work. And so, as we can see from this New York Times article, uh, everyone thought, oh, that's the end. And so it reads, uh, Berlin, December 20th, Adolf Hitler, once the demigod of the reactionary extremists, was released on parole from imprisonment at Fort Landsberg, Bavaria today, and immediately left in an auto for Munich. He looked a much sadder and wiser man today than last spring when he, with Ludendorff and other radical extremists, appeared before a Munich court charged with conspiracy to overthrow the government. His behavior during imprisonment convinced the authorities that he, like his political organization known as the Volkischer, was no longer to be feared. It is believed he will retire to private life and return to Austria, the country of his birth. So, of course, we know how the, the beer hall push played out. And we know, once again, how fucking dumb the New York Times is for writing this article. Um, and then I, I was thinking, okay, well, maybe this was that. Maybe we're looking at all these crazy fucking people and they're going to go to jail and Trump's going to be out of office and he'll never be back and everything's done. Uh, maybe that will look like this, like saying that will look as crazy as this. Like maybe this is only the beginning. And then I started thinking about what's called the Wall Street plot or um, uh, the business plot or the Wall Street push, um, which was something that sort of similarly happened in America about 10 years later. Have you heard of the, the business plot before? I, I, I know about the, um, but I thought it was in the teens or 20s with um, the bomb, uh, someone bombing. Um, yeah, don't worry about it. Sorry, I'm not trying to quiz you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and if anyone's interested, there's an old inside jobs episode that we did about this like five or six years ago that's in the feed way back in the day. But basically, it was uh, a bunch of businessmen right after um, right after uh, uh, Roosevelt got elected in 33. Um, sort of planned this military uh, um, takeover. A bunch of rich guys, they got together, they they tried to get this guy Smedley Butler, who was or Smedley Butler, who was this general, and they had a bunch of money and they had arms and they basically tried to, to overthrow the government. At the time, everyone's like, this is crazy, this didn't happen, but with the hindsight of history, um, uh, it turned out that this was actually a thing. So will we look back on uh, what happened last week as a as the business plot as the wall street push and be like oh my god look things almost went really a different way we almost became nazis or will we look at it as the um as the the beer hall push which is hey it fucking worked and we thought that we had this 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 under wraps but we didn't and before we sort of open this up for conversation i uh just to sort of like remind myself like okay the kind of details of the uh of the 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 business plot i just like quickly Google search and tried to find like a reputable source that might've done some, you know, a little bit of, of uh, reporting on it or whatever. And I found this NPR interview um, from 2012. And if you don't mind, I'll just read a little bit of this and then I will let you talk mm -hmm. without having to like quiz you about AP history crap. <laughs> 
All right. <clears throat> this is from February uh, 2012 on All Things Considered, National Public Radio. Our competitor. <laughs> yes. Barely beating us, uh, National Public Radio, barely beating. I think uh, the rating is a 4.2 or 4.5, so it sounds like we're winning. We're but anyway, keep going. <laughs> okay, good point. It was a dangerous time in America. The economy was staggering, unemployment was rampant, and a banking crisis threatened the entire monetary system. The newly elected president pursued an ambitious legislative program aimed at easing some of the troubles, but he faced vitriolic opposition from both sides of the political spectrum. This is despotism. This is tyranny. This is the annihilation of liberty, one senator wrote to a colleague. The ordinary American is thus reduced to the status of a robot. The president has not merely signed the death warrant of capitalism, but has ordained the mutilation of the Constitution unless the friends of liberty, regardless of party, band themselves together to regain their lost freedom. Those words could be ripped from today's headlines. In fact, author Sally Denton tells Weekends on All Things Considered host Guy Raz, they came from a letter written in 1933 by Republican Senator Henry D. Hatfield of West Virginia, bemoaning the policies of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And she's the author of this book, The Plots Against the President, FDR Nation in Crisis, and the Rise of the American Right. She says that during the tense months between FDR's election in November and his inauguration in March, democracy hung in the balance. There was a lot at play. It could have gone very different directions, Denton says. Though it's hard for us to imagine today, she says fascism, communism, even Nazism seemed like possible solutions to the country's ills. There were suggestions that capitalism was not working, that democracy was not working. Some people even called for a dictator to pull America out of the Great Depression. And um, critics on the right worried that Roosevelt was a communist, a socialist, or a tool of a Jewish conspiracy. Critics, uh, critics on the left complained his policies didn't go far enough. And some of Roosevelt's opponents didn't stop at talk, though it's barely remembered today there was a genuine conspiracy to overthrow the president. The Wall Street push, as it's known today, was a group of right-wing financiers. Incredible. And fucking credible, right? History don't repeat, but it rhymed. It rhymed. That's what I've been thinking, because we have like the deep, the elements... There's certain elements in each of the two plots that exist today, but it's not a superimposed right. image of either. Um, mm -hmm. And and also the precursors leading up to it. The uh, you know, for instance, right now at the in the 30s, you didn't have what you might call economic precarity, like being a, a precarious situation where you had. I mean, it was race, along racial lines, but you had a, a huge increase in the middle class between the 30s and 70s with a lot mm -hmm. of promises about retirement and, and jobs, stuff like that. And then over the last 40 years, we know even that somewhere probably between 50 and $100 trillion were taken by what we call Wall Street and big mm -hmm. business from right. individuals and it can be seen as a zero-sum game in the sense that the power to create money lies in a small group. So it's not like, you know, people could band together and just do it. So it was taken from um, and we're also, if we look at the last 40 years up till now versus up till, say, the yeah. 1930s, it was a very, you know, the trajectory is is similar, but what the underlying basis of of living is is quite different um and so what i would see is like 
it, it's the idea of like can so there, there's the one of the big variables I think is is the the power of the state brought in to assist or even completely support the overthrow. So that's what we saw with Hitler. Uh, that you could argue maybe was the attempt on January 6th. It could happen again. or And so is the next one going to be purely from the outside or will it be a, um, a co-option of also internal militaristic forces? Um, and then at what level? Like that one was tried at the U.S. Capitol, more likely looking at the size and breadth of the U.S. I'd see something, yeah. it, would per, it would start in different states. It would be the banding together right. trying to take over one or two states at a time, which then gets us looking down the barrel of a, a second civil war. Cause what do you, mm -hmm. you know, you don't just let that happen. Um, and so it's in a lot of ways, I would say, uh, the hoped for outcome by say the, the, what I would, quote unquote, modest wing of the Republican Party would be, would be the continued gaming of a system without actually it, again, quote unquote, turning violent. Um, there's right. basically how do we look like a Brazil or Russia and use our state heft to continue um, putting more and more resources behind our biggest businesses and slowly erode all of the, the safety nets for everyone else. It's just the problem is you can't control everyone's actions. And so one of the ways the Republican Party has been able to do that is to bring in a lot of um, very radical groups whose history is steeped in the, the lost civil war or the Confederacy or white supremacy or this kind of culture. And mm -hmm. the you can't always direct it in the direction you want. And so I think one mm -hmm. of the things that makes our time quite tenuous is will will it remain at the level of targeted? um assassinations and um suppression of like journalists and activists and things like that or will it spill over and be yeah. the u.s version of it could it, i mean it could go the way of you know a lot of times we like referring to nazi germany but it's only one of many examples it could be any number of different fascists and a relatively small country right small and country so ours would it's like would 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 the the coast that feel so safe in their cities be the first to be taken over by armed forces? Um, all sorts of things. And so, and, and so a lot of times living yeah. day to day, it seems almost impossible that it'll happen. Like, yes, you know, we're eroding all these safe safety nets, our democracy is failing, capitalism is failing, all these kind of things. But the threat of that kind of anything from another civil war up to like a uh, mass killings, like in, in, Nazi Germany, or you could say Cambodia, Russia, all these places, or where the U.S. has done it in other people's countries, um, seems so distant and impossible. But a good reading of history shows how, at times like now, where things are on pins and needles, where a couple series of events over the course of even several months can have irreversible downslide into a heavy, and knowing the the history of the U.S. and like the how much we uh, glorify killing in the sake of the the nation or the people or this or that. It's yeah. like maybe even Nazi Germany is an understatement in the U.S., given just like our reverence for our might and our power and, and all these things and just how much 
and just how many just assault rifles are on this country, like hundreds of millions of yes. them and um, how readily available they are. And um, even within our armed forces, you have pervasive and as you know, someone reminded me, you've always had white supremacists in, in our armed forces. Um, so it's so we are on, on well, the Tinder, FBI but- has to the FBI. You're absolutely right. And the FBI has had to start vetting the National Guard troops that will be guarding uh, uh, President-elect Biden as he becomes President Biden, uh, because some so many of these people involved in these uh, in this this riot, this insurrection, this attempted coup, uh, were members of the military, former or current, were members of police forces, uh, uh, former or current, um, and I think it's just the sort of tip of the iceberg really oh yeah uh, and then of course all of this this stuff about oh blue lives matter you people have just proven yourselves to be fucking hypocrites as you as you murdered and, and beat police officers um yeah but yeah I, I think it's the kind of thing yeah with all of those weapons sitting around it's really it's really an unknown and in addition to those nut jobs outside the building there's nut jobs inside who love to pack mm-hmm. there are plenty of gop reps who strap when they when they they fly into D.C. to conduct congressional legislative business, and Pelosi is like, well, we is trying to set up is setting up uh, um, uh, like checkpoints with uh, metal detectors, which, by the way, is what everybody the fuck else has to do when we go onto airplanes. When kids go to fucking school, they have to walk through these. But these fucking moronic uh, 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 traitors who are questioning the validity of this election are rolling into Congress strapped with pistols and they refuse to go through this checkpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the legitimate fear is that someone will, it's not that someone's, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald is up in the window or, or, you know, um, and John Wilkes Booth is, is, is coming in to, to the president's um, uh, uh, booth. It's <laughs> booth. Uh, it's that, uh, you know, a GOP congressman is going to pull a piece and, and clip Joe and Kamala right in front of everyone on national fucking TV. So we really don't know how, because we, we don't know how many people in, I mean, this sounds like there are 47 known communists in the, in the state department, but it's like, we don't know how many GOP congressmen who have completely gone down the geo, the QAnon path are walking around the president with a fucking gun. You know, obviously, it's it's much harder to get close to the president with a weapon than it would be to get uh, into into the Capitol building. But I don't fucking know what kind of screening these guys get. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're members of the government. Um, they're they're officials. Think about what they were talking about yesterday at the state level. So let's go out out of yes. the D.C. And yeah. there's. You know, close to three. And there were state legislators who were part of this. Right. And so we've got 350 million people in the country. And if we look at it. Only 90% have podcasts, though. That's it? I thought it was. I thought we were higher. I thought we were 96% (laughs) penetration. It's dipped a little bit since all these conservatives started getting deep. I heard at one point it was over 100% because so many people had more than (laughs) one. Multiples, yes. I mean, I know you do. I should probably up my game. But so think about we're in some state capitals. Yeah. And what we saw on the 6th was a group of modestly organized radicals, maybe 2,000 at most that actually went inside. 
So very few, like that's 0.0001% of the population. So 2000, um, so let's go to a state where the level of security is a little potentially in the future harder to come by. If you had 20,000 or even 200,000 and 200,000 is still 0.005% of the population, which still requires a huge amount of organization organizing and then also people to actually show up. It's very easy to sit around, drink beers, talk about overthrowing something, but how many people are going to show up? And so let's let's put the number at 20,000. With 20,000 heavily armed individuals, you could, you know, whether is it going to be Sacramento, is it going to be Little Rock, is it going to be Phoenix, um, Denver, uh, Tallahassee, uh, all probably Tallahassee. <laughs> but what if it's Sacramento? I'm just saying, like any of our state capitals, 20,000 people, so 10 times the amount that we saw in the six, um, organized to take over and uh, and take it over by force. That's not. I mean, that's that's you know even a low risk is still is, is doable. So twenty thousand is point zero 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 five percent of the population mm. could create a um, highly tenuous situation in which all of the energy is sucked out of everything else going on that day and for yep. days to come, and all energy is placed on this. And so sometimes what I think about when I'm and looking where do at, we deploy troops to go? If we have all of the troops are now in like DC, well, how do we deploy troops back out to Tallahassee? And how many of those troops uh, are on are on the side of the other guys? Exactly. You know? and, and so before that, what I look at is like, sometimes I think we we lull ourselves into thinking, oh, it's impossible, because I look around at, at at, at uh, mainstream media. And it seems like usually the conversation is bulky around averages. Yeah, It's like, well, you know, you know, things are about 50, 50 split this or that, <laughs> and it could go one sure. way or the other. And, you know, it, it can't go that far up balance. It's like all this moderate middles talk. But at the end of the day, if you think about how true crises are created, it's by an incredibly small fraction of the population, especially when you add in militarize um, equipment into it. Even a tank or two would totally undo it. So 20,000 20, people is 0.0005% of the population. And that's the kind of tail and risk that we have to face and not look at like, well, you know, you know, it's only 43% of the population. It's like, forget about the, the bulkiness of where the average sits um, mm -hmm. or around the average. It's where the tail ends, how are they being radicalized, and how are we using the forces of what we call government, which is supposed to kind of be our embodied rules and norms and, and, and mores? How are we using them to uh, direct exerted effort to um, bring back as many people from that militarized fray? And though to do it takes a hell of a lot more than presidential speeches. It takes oh, yeah. a lot of grassroots efforts to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with either a neighbor or family member. It's like, I don't purport to know how to do this. I've seen examples of it over the last 20 years in different parts of the country, of the world. And it's like, you don't just, you know, you could roll the dice and hope you get lucky. Um, but it's a, uh, it's sometimes I try to think about the risk from that perspective, not like, will 51% of people go along with it? It's will 0.0005% of people get organized enough with 
enough equipment and might behind them to take over one of our state capitals and create uh, what I would put as the most one of the more likely outcomes of a of a will we have the second civil war type of thing. Right. Well, I think a, a good layman's way to look at it is, you know, I, I I had a friend named Will Durkin and Will Durkin was one of the strongest stick men I ever knew. And I once asked him what was his secret? And he said, look, if 1% of women will sleep with you, all you have to do is ask a hundred women to sleep with you and you'll get laid. Uh, I mean, it's, it was just kind of a disgusting misogynistic joke, but there is sort of a level of fundamental truth that if uh, there are a million people trying to do something crazy and each of them has a one millionth, uh, one in one millionth chance of uh, occurring, well, then it's going to happen. So that's what you're saying. Yeah, all of these these things all have like these tiny uh, odds of happening, but if there's enough things with tiny odds of happening, well, then one of them is bound to happen. And the problem is if it does happen, it'll be too late to sort yes. of like figure out how and why. And if it doesn't, then people like us will just be pointed out as crazy for even having this conversation. So, for instance, there was this uh, uh, American conservative uh, article today, this editorial. And let me pull it up here. Uh, the legacy of a would-be dictator. The Trump era did indeed change America, but it was far from the apocalyptic spiraling predicted by Democrats and the media. And, of course, this article, this opinion piece goes into all of the uh, all of the apocalyptic things that we predicted would happen that didn't. Now, of course, a bunch of horrible things uh, did in fact happen, including this insurrection, including kids in cages, including uh, hundreds of thousands of people uh, unnecessarily killed by this, uh, by this virus, including the Muslim ban, including all of these horrible fucking things, um, banning trans people from the military. I mean, all of these horrible things. So ignoring all of that, even saying yes, even acknowledging yes, all of the horrible things that we thought would happen did not happen. All that demonstrates is that to some extent, we succeeded in stopping Trump. Mm -hmm. To some extent, um, these court, these judges who were like, this is bullshit and threw out his cases, that sort of situation held. Um, the fact that, you know, as imperfect as the Democratic Party is that they sort of managed to narrowly win the Senate, narrowly win the House, and now narrowly win the, the presidency um, proved that, like, yeah, because all of the, the pussy hat wearing uh, uh, marchers and all of the, the Bernie bra burners uh, like us and all of the Lincoln Project guys and all of the, the neolibs all kind of like came in whoever these like resistance guys were inside the uh, inside the administration. The fact that we all sort of came together and sort of formed this, we're all holding our nose to work with each other coalition to take down uh, Trump. Um, the fact that we managed to sort of for now pull this off and stop him um, is, is what they're using as the example to say we were wrong. So it's basically, it's basically like saying, we thought that some there was a bunch of robbers in our neighborhood and they were robbing everybody. And we said, we're going to get robbed. 
So we installed a security system and the robbers tried to break in, but the alarm went off and they ran away. And someone says, see, you're crazy. Your, your house was never going to get broken into. Mm -hmm. And I'd add to that list of people that help prevent it. The all, I think we're going to see more praises of unsung bureaucrats because mm -hmm. a lot of the inability to do things is because of all the layers of what we call, of what a bureaucracy is it. We still have, um, millions of people who work at different levels of government at the post office in which at post office or even I, state department even in some of the military things where they weren't just going to go along with something that the president said yeah. and so a lot of times when people say oh one and more competent trump comes in or this or that it's right. like what we're up against and that's why i think if we're going back to the beer hole push or um wall street if it was I guess a comparison would be, is it that, or some people are trying to say like, is this our Reichstag or something? It's certainly not that. It's more that slow simmer years yeah. before something might happen. And the way to prevent it is not to fall prey to these kind of uh, talking heads that say, oh, look, nothing's happened. We're fine. Let's go home. Yeah. It's like, you could say that every day up until the day it happens, but it's like the only way to make it so that it never happens is to keep the clear and present dangers and focus and actively do things to address them and not just, and that's, I think is why some people are still thinking that the next four years might be a slow simmer because it's unlikely that there's too much talk of like, Oh, we just need to maybe tweak things here and there. And then everything's going to be fine. It's like, we're living in truly revolutionary times. And if we can't get the democratic party right now, that's in Control of our legislature and executive branch to realize that it's uh it just the 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 risk level doesn't attenuate over well, the next four years it probably increases well they won't and i don't know if there's time enough for the truly progressive people to take over the party that will just get we'll stuck find in out fighting. my man yeah and if you're talking about the slow simmer i mean you could say yeah there has been a slow simmer since the reichstag fire 20 years ago this september 11th that if we're really looking at how did we get here how did we go from the 1990s uh of america being the greatest power in the history of known power the greatest power in history this beacon of light and democracy that defeated fascism that defeated communism that the economy was fucking doing great we had independent films that could get released in major markets uh gack <laughs> like ninja turtles everything was was great beavis and butt do america yeah baby how did we go from that to this well whether or not the bush administration like allowed or was involved in, in an inside job with 9-11 which i do not think they were uh, but either way that was our our reichstag fire and it led to the fucking dumpster fire of the last 20 years um and the sort of like uh, sticking our head in the sand uh of the obama administration years uh, where we're just like, nope, everything's fine because a cool guy is president now. Again, someone smart from the Harvard Law Review, head of the Harvard Law Review is president. So everything's going to be fine. Let's keep drone striking and, uh, and uh, fucking over immigrants, uh, but call them dreamers. Oh, they're such dreamers. They're dreaming, Ben. They're dreaming. So yeah, yeah we're, we're in the slow slim simmer, bro.
Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't mean to sound like a dick, but so I go back and forth between being like, oh my God, this is like terrifying that this is happening like right now as I am holding my seven pound son in my arms, uh, uh, figuring out, you know, how I'm going to protect him from this world. It's terrifying. But then I'm also like, oh, I never thought I'd get to live to see this, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it makes you want to fight for a better future, but then be prepared to, uh, exactly gtfo right well people say you know people you know there's the midnight in paris syndrome if people say oh if only i'd lived in ancient rome or i wish i'd lived in the wild west or i lift wish i had I'd been a king in medieval times or a samurai um during feudal japan like you know i i always think where would i go I'd go right back to 19, uh, 1933, uh, the, the wall street, all that horrible shit we were talking about. I would go fucking, uh, uh, intern for Orson Welles at the federal theater project. Then I join up and go fucking fight Nazis. So, Hey, yeah, this is terrifying, but, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll finally have my, my dream. Probably. Yeah. Not. And you might not even have to leave your, uh, your, your neighborhood. You might not even have to go all the way over to Europe because it might just be here. Yeah. In this century. I think my neighborhood's pretty strapped up, honestly. You know, and I got my red rider that I use for shooting crows in my yard. So I'm at least I will at least when the Nazis come, I'll at least be able to go, I'll at least be able to mildly annoy them, possibly uh shoot their eye out. So let me ask you another question. If we get to a, a non-military takeover of the US, which would be through the channels that the US has used debt money to um take over other countries Mm. especially since the last 40 years so in this scenario it's china along with the coalition of enough countries where they have a majority stake in the u.s uh federal debt Mm -hmm. and through that and having bought up real estate other businesses things like that have gotten to a place where the the and then the u.s is in a, a state where uh the, the debt ceiling, all those debates have gone on for a year. Mm-hmm. We haven't passed a federal budget in over a year. Essentially, the government has been shut down indefinitely. It's been shut down indefinitely. It's, it's, it's working for big businesses, obviously, still. They're doing these short-term measures to keep Wall Street and businesses alive because that's all we can produce now is just money and gambling houses. Um, and not the kind in Vegas. Those are fun. I'm talking about the Wall Street gambling houses here, just to clarify. And through the use of uh, debt money, foreclosure, and defaults, Mm. China's basically saying like, oh, we just learned from you. This is how you did it for the last 50 years. We're just doing what you did. We own the debt. You're in a a situation, you need a default. We're going to take over and uh, we control you now and completely nonviolent. How do you... It's a very simple way of describing it, partly because I'm a little hungover, but it's a it's smoking those rollies, a, huh? a, a capitalist uh, overtake of another country in the way that the U.S. has done. I think at least 15 other countries, if yeah. not more. Well, the answer is all of these things we're talking about are happening and will happen at the same time to a certain degree, and only. Uh, with the high, with the sort of wisdom of history, will people be able to figure out exactly how the American Reich fell? Yeah, I mean, I say the way that I say to get prepared is do push-ups and learn Mandarin. 
Okay. You know, and cool. and maybe a little, yeah. So do 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 your push-ups, your pull-ups, your sit-ups, and learn Mandarin. Yeah. Be prepared. Yeah, my my father-in-law sent me this like video of this village uh, in a small province in China that had been around for two hundred years, and it was entirely on a cliffside. And I don't know if you've seen footage of this, but these like children and and adults and old people would basically scale cliffs like billy goats to get to their their dwellings and move around goods uh and it is incredible you just see like a a woman with a infant tied to her back and then another one like attached at her side with a rope and they're all climbing up a sheer cliffside to their dwellings and then they'll just be you know images of the children sitting on the cliff just fucking eating food and hanging out like as though they were sitting on the back porch. Now, a lot of people were like, this is terrifying. And I was kind of like, yeah, their quality of life, I guess, is probably low. I mean, they might not have good nutrition or, you know, their life expectancy might not be too long. But I was like, that looks fucking dope. I want to go live that life. Um, but then, yeah. So I want to do a little more research. I sort of like, what is this village? Can you go visit them? Can you donate to them? Is there something you can you can do? And this like CNN article or CNN video popped up. It was so weird because the CNN video was showing the same footage that I had seen. Then it was showing like facts on the screen, some of which were from the Associated Press. Then there'd be images from Reuters. Then there would be facts from the China Daily News or the China State. And I was like, what? is this what is this news is this information it's reuters ap cnn and chinese state propaganda and the video was talking about how uh the chinese government is trying to eliminate poverty okay great there's poverty in the world there's a lot in china let's eliminate it fantastic so uh there's a bunch of uh ethnic uh, minority uh, Muslim Uyghurs who are like in concentration camps dying right now. But let's not worry about them, shall we? Um, let's worry about these folks uh, in their, their cliffside dwellings. And so what they did to end the poverty of these folks is they brought them all down and they basically gave them condos and uh, flat screen TVs. And then they just like, the, the CNN video cuts to this image of like this shitty looking like housing development with like these like basically looks like a like dorm dorm room and shitty. You know, what? I shouldn't be saying this. It would be fantastic if everyone could have a fucking dwelling. Um, but compared to like these beautiful cliffside views, uh, this looked like a relatively kind of like barren uh, cultureless life. And then they showed the folks like coming into their apartments and like looking at a flat screen TV and being like, holy shit. And I was just thinking like, yeah, I, I think that these folks should have a, a chance to live a good life and their government should be there to protect them. But I'm also like, how long will it take for them to be as fucking lazy and shitty as any of us sitting around in front of our fucking flat screens in our apartments or whatever? Mm -hmm. And that, you know, it's situations like this where I say, like, where's the middle ground? Where would it have exactly. been where you go to the cliff dwellers and you say, where are the things that you see as lacking? Not when we look at you, what do we see as lacking? And let me fill it. Because exactly. you get a lot of these 
a generation or two or more of this depressive state that follows that because you're taking away so much of that vitality of life that comes from self-reliance and other things, but not to glamorize poverty and be like, oh, I'd much rather live on a cliffside. It's like, it's if dangerous. we want to help you. How many of those people yeah, fucking like, fall to their death? Like a right. lot? And so it's going and not saying many? like, hey, we're moving you to a condo flat screen. It's going and saying, we have extra resources. Uh, if you want help, how could we help you? Right. What would be helpful for you? And maybe some of them will be like, I want to live in a fucking condo with a flat screen. It's like, great, we've got some extra ones. Other ones might just be like, we could use X, Y, Z and we'd like to stay here. (laughs) A better ladder or every year if you could bring bring a bunch of uh, seeds, it would be really nice because it's been, it takes a lot of time, you know, like- Some water filtration equipment. Water, yeah, whatever, but say, what is it? And some of them are going to choose the condo. Let's be honest, like some people want that, but not if like, oh my God, we must say it's the savior. It's like, we must bring them out of their hellhole and into this amazing, comfortable life. Because a lot of times comfort breeds unhappiness. 100%. Too, too much or in different ways. Or there's just so much nuance of human life. So it's like the helping, the poverty is like, we have extra stuff. What could, what, what, what's helpful for you? Yeah. That's a good point. But, and I see in that small example, sort of like what certain right-wing or even moderate people see as like, the terror of dominance uh, by a, uh, a a strong state. Why yeah. people fear a strong state that can, you know, basically just like come in and say, no, you don't live here anymore. You live in these like boring little places and we're going to tell you what to do. But then I also see uh, what, you know, maybe more left-wing or socialist leaning people might see in like the, the virtues of, of a strong state, which is like, hey, there's a problem. They can just fucking go solve it. Now, the question is, how do you take those resources and solve the situation in in, in an equitable manner, in an ethical manner, uh, in a manner that actually helps? I'm all about freedom. I don't think we should force people to live in the fucking cliff or force them to live in the condo. But I'm also about a government that fucking works. If you have the money and the resources, don't just give goddamn tax cuts to to Elon Musk because he moves to Texas use them to build the boring little condos. I would fucking love to see somebody go out to Palm Desert here in Southern California, build a gajillion of those, those like Chinese apartments, throw some solar panels on top of them and uh, say, here you go. Let's just go ahead and solve the, the, the problem with people experiencing homelessness. Yeah. Uh, in Southern well, I would California. Even go as- like if we really want to do it on the, the left progressive side, it would be because this is almost like state run capitalism. Yeah, it's still very top down. And one of the threats is always of surveillance and <laughs> surveilling ourselves. Things. I mean, that's the but, but hold on. And so there's been examples. I think one of the biggest ones was in somewhere in one of the provinces in, in one of the states in India. Mm. But basically, instead of doing it and then having people move in, it was the either resources or just money distributed to individuals and all of it was just done through uh, self-organizing cooperatives. And it was faster and cheaper than any top-down, not faster, but just as fast, but then you also don't strip away the the sense of of, um, 
of participation in fulfilling your own um, livelihood hmm. and doesn't lead to as much displacement, all sorts of other benefits. And so there's plenty of examples where through cooperative models that um, by just supporting those, you you tap into existing networks and don't try to build your own um, and do it that way. And so obviously both methods are are, are done in across the, the, the globe, but I would just say uh, I advocate for the latter. Okay. Yeah, you talk about um you talk about like, yeah, these these small like co-ops kind of like coming together and and all of that. And I'm sort of thinking about these like kind of technocratic solutions that like I propose, which is like just like build an ant farm and treat people like ants and put them inside them. And I think about this um, this uh, scene, one of the worst scenes in one of the worst movies. Uh, it's like this supposed love scene in Star Trek or Star Trek. Star. I'm, I, now that I'm a dad, I do not know the difference between Star Trek and Star Wars. Sorry. Star, Star Wars Episode 2, clones do something. Um, and... Uh, the, I got the script pulled up here and she says uh, uh, Padme says you really don't like politicians do you to Anakin who will someday be Darth Vader I like two or three but I'm not really sure about one of them I don't think this the system works and then she says how would you have it work the system we need a system Anakin says where the politicians sit down and discuss the problems agree what's in the best interest of all the people and then do it she says that's exactly what we do the trouble is that people don't always agree. In fact, they hardly ever do. And Anakin says, then they should be made to. Padme says, by whom? Who's going to make them? I don't know. Someone. You? No, of course not me. But someone. Someone wise. That sounds an awful lot like a dictatorship to me. Mm -hmm. And then Anakin, soon to be Darth Vader, says, well, if it works... Wow. It's, it's funny it's like a horrible 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 movie and a terrible script but secretly the best brilliant critique of what has happened to america in the first 20 years of the 20th century yeah we had a good like couple hundred days at the beginning of the the new millennium where we're like oh my god our computers wow. still work our computers still work girl Yay. power spice girls mm-hmm <laughs> Although an election had just been stolen by our judiciary, which right. the, oh we yeah, that's the Reichstag. We fire. were young, yeah. <laughs> it was the Brioni riot, or what? I keep mm -hmm. calling it the Brioni riot. It's like the Armani riot. There's something. Yeah, we were in high school. I don't think I was actually really totally aware of. Probably because my parents read the New York Times and listened to NPR, and it wasn't presented. Yeah. In quite the way that it should have been to realize what was really going on. It was more like. Oh, you know, there were some issues. We did a recount. Uh, it was stopped because uh, Al Gore decided to uh, save democracy over. and concede. Pull a Ned Bainey, Betty and squeal like a piggy. You ask me. They wouldn't say that on NPR, but um, <laughs> that yeah, would be cool. It was very, as you might say, I'm Terry Hawk. Gross, and Al Gore got fucked in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, no, it was whitewashed, like a lot 100%. of 100% US history. Yeah, I remember protesting the day of the inauguration in San Francisco, formerly the greatest city in the world. And um, 
was on the train uh, and there was a couple, there was a couple probably about my parents' age. Uh, and one of the guys had like a Washington state hat that said W and then he just took t- tape and wrote fuck on top of it. So it said fuck W and I was like, okay, respect this guy. This is like a cool dad guy who's out to fuck your protest. And then there was a younger, younger guy, um, who was, he had like a, a purple face mask and he was like, I'm going to wear this so I can like hide myself from, you know, cops who may be taking pictures, but then also show my, uh, my, my gay pride. And we kind of, the, we all kind of got in this discussion about the, and I figured, Hey, we're all going to the same protest. We all agree on everything exactly the same way. And everybody else who disagrees with us all agrees exactly the same way. You know, I was gosh, 15, 16 years old, 15 years old. And uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the sort of more, he, he, nowadays he's probably joined Antifa. Uh, The, the guy with the, with the face mask was saying, well, you know, look, the Democrats and the Republicans are one in the same. And, you know, the only difference is the Democrats pretend to care and the Republicans are just out. They just go ahead and tell you to your face um, that they uh, that they don't care about you. Or as my dad would like to say, uh, the Democrats and the Republicans will both fuck you in the ass, but the Democrats will buy you dinner first. Uh, sorry with all the cornholing folks. Yeah, this is getting a little much. Um, I think we got to. And step away from that. Um, but down, I'm yeah. only using that example because whatever. Anyway, and then the guy with the fuck W hat, he was like, no, no, no. There's there's a huge difference. There's a huge difference. And this was, I don't know if I've talked about this on the pod before, but this was a very eye-opening experience for me. And, and I don't quite yet know who's right. Because, of course, the fuck W guy is right that that there is a monumental difference between uh, having the Republicans being in charge and the Democrats being in charge in terms of like uh, in terms of policy, in terms of who's on the court uh, in terms of our standing in the world. And so of course you can't support the Republicans or become neutral in this matter. If you care about life on earth and freedom, but of course Uh, the future Antifa guy was right that they're all part of the same fucking corrupt system and that none of them fundamentally care about us, the people on the train going to participate in the protest. And it's just interesting that, you know, over, uh, well, actually that was inauguration day. So nearly 20 years ago, God, Ben, 20 years, I'm still ranting about the same fucking bullshit um history is slow it's quick and then it's also very slow i used to be able to have my conversation with three people on a train now it's just the two people listening to this (laughs) um but hey you know what don't lose the faith stay out there um and you know if we continue to have a relatively peaceful country uh do the best you can to um plant trees be nice to each other pick up trash uh if you have kids raise them well if you are a kid be nice to your parents um if you if you uh uh, don't have kids then treat everybody else as though uh, they were your children or or your family as well and we'll be fine and if nazis start to take over uh put on your fucking fedora and get to it dr jones that's all i have to say to you Because Indiana Jones is America's greatest Nazi fighter. Mm, 
Mm, okay. He's my symbol. He's a guy who's like, I'm going to go rescue Jewish artifacts and punch Nazis. I like that. And he's not there. He doesn't want to hurt anybody. Uh, and, uh, but you know, he has to, I mean, I'm just such a nonviolent person. That's the thing. Ben is like, if there is a war, I don't really, I pretend, you know, I like to play violent video games and like, I'm like, yeah, guns are cool. Would you GTFO? No, I would, I would, I would be like, I try, I would do, I'd be a medic or whatever I could. I would find some nonviolent way to, to help fight fascism, you know? Okay. Gandhi was an ambulance driver in World War One, something like there that. There you go. Yeah, and then he didn't. He he protested World War Two. And, yeah. that, and you he, have a house. You can house people. Sure. You medic. We yeah. got a we got a wall here. So like yeah, exactly. We got the we got the the real men though, and and women. They'll they'll be shooting and fighting, and I'll be like, uh, you guys want a sandwich? <laughs> Make it to be. Yeah, anyone want a sandwich? You guys want a sandwich? Yeah, dude. I'll be yeah. I'll work fucking mess. For the revolution, yeah, I'll do. Uh, you know, I'll clean. Fuck, I'll clean the latrines. I don't care. I mean, I'll, be, I'll yeah. probably end up just being like the Salesforce admin <laughs> for for the for the union or something like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you're really gonna want to get some composting toilets and fertilize fruit trees. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So that's my last word. Uh, what's your last word today, sir? Well, I'm gonna let you finish it off because I. It, it's gonna, you know, it'll be an afterglow, and let's keep it bright. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, then today's last word will be this. Uh, Wednesday uh, is a a epic day for this country and the world. January twentieth, because Hitman Three will be released on Xbox and PC and PlayStation. Uh, so, uh, if anybody wants to play Hitman with me while I'm on paternity leave, I will be changing diapers between playing Hitman and not walk watching the inauguration because it'll be depressing to see a geriatric man standing behind a fucking barbed wire fence, uh, issuing some pablum about how we did it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, good point. I got to think of what else I'm going to do. Maybe I'll play some Goldeneye. Yeah. Uh, but but here's the thing. You know, my dad, the other day we were talking about, about Joe. And he was just like, you know, my dad, has, he's seen a lot. You know, he saw the fucking moon landing. Pers he personally helped fake the moon landing. He saw the end of the Vietnam War, the fall of the Berlin Wall. You know, all of these, these crazy things that happen in our history. And has so many, you know, was disappointed by Clinton, disappointed by Obama. So many reasons to, like, not believe that it's going to happen this time. And goddamn, that 66-year-old man, my beloved old man, was filled with so much hope. He's like, come on, Joe. What do you have to lose? Do it. And then my mom, uh, she was saying, you know, Lee, a couple years ago, you were saying, like, maybe it's a good idea for not a good idea, but maybe uh, Trump getting elected will rile people up and uh, and make people realize that you have to be more engaged in politics. I thought you were crazy at the time, but maybe you were right. And then she said, I also believe in reparations. <laughs> and I was like, damn, Sister Trish, welcome to the fucking revolution, girl. So if mm -hmm. if my parents who have seen so much fucked up shit happen over the past 66 years can still hold my child in their arms and look toward the future and say, it's going to be okay. Well, 
maybe it will. And for everyone here at Handsome Headquarters and the Liberal Guild Radio family, I thank you for joining me and Ben here today on LGR, Liberal Guild Radio. Also, we have a new logo. Do you like the new logo? <laughs> you almost did it. I know. You almost left the logo. It like that. The lo- that do you like the logo? Good. You got the teardrop thing. I certainly. I love the logo. Okay. Certain people were like, they didn't know if it was a teardrop. I was like, yeah, I don't know. I think it worked. Yeah, it's a teardrop. What else would it be? Just like a weird, like postmodern. A dumb I guess shape. so many modern art weird stuff. A shitty shape. You know, it's like it's a tacky thing that I made like on my computer by myself. Uh, basically with Microsoft Paint. Uh, But on the other hand, I do think it is in the upper half of podcast icons in terms of, in terms of quality. So I'll give myself that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's works on several levels. Yeah. All right, man. God bless. I'll talk to you soon. God bless. God bless. My, yeah, my family, my, My my in-laws and my wife and my child are huddled up in the nursery while I do the Lord's work here on LGR. God bless. God bless. God bless. The Lord's work. Yeah. Oh, dude, I, I did the prayer at my son's circumcision. How does it go? Oh, my God. What are you doing to my son? Ah! Something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's always translated differently but i like that one that's a good translation yeah that's the that's the translation the king james transliteration the prince mm-hmm. albert what's the what's the, the prince Al- the prince albert transliteration all right bye <laughs>